Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday morning. Uh, joining us from Boston, Massachusetts, where I think Tim Bontemps, you're going to New York in a little bit. For I am. I'll tomorrow. be at Sixers Nets tonight, uh, Thursday night, with uh, our own Nick Friedel. Ooh, uh, very good, Nick Friedel. Um, and joining us from the protocols, man. Hmm. Tim McMahon, the second visit to the protocols in the last few months. I'm starting to think it's this pod, man. I'm, I'm worried for bond temps because like 15 minutes after we did the show last week, McMahon, you informed me banned McMahon that you uh, had bet we're back on the protocols. And then Monday, Bobby Marks joins the show. And like, again, yeah, I'm, I'm still doing the ad reads and he texts me. Yeah, I just tested positive. <laughs> So I'm worried about bond tops, bond tops. Be careful, buddy. I will be careful in New York. Well, the good news is symptoms are very light, basically just a little runny, stuffy nose. Um, you know, I tell you what, though, I was reading Woj and Baxter's story on the, uh, you know, just the whole situation that the NBA is dealing with. And in there, it said Bruce Brown had tested positive, had had, uh, you know, the Delta in September and then tested positive again. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, no. I had it in August, and sure enough, I got it again. Masked, vaxxed, boosted, all that kind of stuff. And just, uh, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Well, you're like a lot of NBA players. Yeah, yeah, you're like a lot of NBA players right now. So um, With, uh, Without the bank account, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, uh, all things considered. Um so one of your, we're going to talk about one of uh, your teams that you specialize in, the Grizzlies, in a, in a little bit. Um, but we can't talk about what we're going to talk about with the Grizzlies, which is the emergence this season of Desmond Bain, Bontemps, without talking a little bit about the Celtics, who traded Desmond Bain to Ooh. the Grizzlies, and who just had one of the worst three-point shooting nights in the history of the game that you were at. Um, on Wednesday night when they lost to the Clippers who, you know, look, every team is, except for the jazz, every team is to a certain extent is, is being, uh, you know, impacted right now. Some drastically, some minorly, the Clippers are, you know, they lost Paul George for a month with a elbow injury and, and they've got some guys, but they still got the win and they got the win bond temps because the, the Celtics went, um, four of 42 on threes. Uh, Jalen Brown went one of 13, which has got to be one of the most brutal shooting performances. You know, with the, it's, it's hard to shoot 9%. I think that's what they shot, right? 9%. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to shoot 9% because you gotta, you gotta shoot. You gotta, you gotta be a little for a lot to get 9%, 10%, one out of 10, you know, it can happen. 9%. That's a hard number to hit. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was unbelievable going through the, you know, through through our stats and information group last night, um looking at second spectrum tracking data, looking at just historical numbers. I mean, the the list of there was like a six uh bullet point list of numbers in my story uh about this game, about how bad the Celtics shot. They were 4 for 39 on catch and shoot threes. Uh, which was the single worst catch and shoot three point performance in all of uh, second spectrum's tracking data games going back, I think nine years, there were 482 games where a team shot at least 35 threes. The Celtics shot worse than any team in any of those games. Uh, they had the biggest difference between what their effective field goal percentage should have been in a game compared to what it was. 
of any team this season. It was almost 20 points lower than it should have been. Um, and, and all of that lined up with the eye test watching the game where in a rare night for the Celtics who have struggled to move the ball this year, they actually moved the ball pretty well and got one completely wide open shot after another and literally missed all of them. It was unbelievable to watch. You know, people are going crazy because Jalen Brown had 36 field goal attempts and no assists. He had eight potential assists and all, I think all of them were for wide open corner threes, not even like wing threes, wide open corner threes that all missed. I mean, it yeah. was just, it was wild to watch in, in real time. And, and there's, there's definitely been some spotlight on Jalen Brown's playmaking or lack thereof. And right. know, going back, I mean, Marcus smart kind of put him in Tatum on blast and all that kind yep. of stuff. But one thing about getting assists that, uh, is a very critical part of that whole thing is somebody has to make a shot. <laughs> that so, is the key part. You have to pass yeah. it and then they have to make it. Yeah. There's you no can make it going on. Yeah. You can make all, you can pass as well as, as, as you can. But uh, if guys are bricking threes, then uh, you know, 36 shots is a lot though. <laughs> when, well, when it's a lot, of, only it's a lot of shots, but you got to remember no Dennis Schroeder, no Marcus smart, no Jason Tatum. Right. So they don't yeah. have the Celtics don't have a lot of guys who can create their own shot. And Ty Lue, coach of the Clippers, was running a lot of zone last night. They're down a, a bunch of guys, like Brian said. And so Jalen Brown was really the only guy who could get downhill and score. So if he wasn't getting to the rim, the ball sort of had to move around the perimeter to somebody getting an open shot, and they just missed them all. But Can I ask a question on Marcus Smart real quick? Um, yeah. Because there's the injury reports on the NBA are so long that I can't, it's, I just can't keep track of he, it right he now. Yeah. He cut his, he cut his hand in the Bucks game on Christmas day. That's why okay. he hasn't played the last couple of games. Okay. Because it's you know, listed as a hand laceration. Or something. Yes. Well, I just wanted to check on that because, you know, previously in Marcus's career, he had a hand laceration that was as a result of punching a mirror. Yes. He so made a said on Monday that he cut his hand in cut his hand somehow during the Bucks game. Yeah, well, that, I mean, to miss multiple games with a cut, that's a cut hand is, you know, that's the last thing they need. So yeah. the Celtics, so that was just a, you know, look, they haven't shot the ball well this year. They're 24th and three point shooting as a team. And beyond this is, you know, a terrible shooting night. Bontemps, you talked about, you know, a month ago, you talked about how difficult their December was going to be. And it has walloped them. Um, they have lost, uh, they played the Suns, uh, on, on uh, New Year's Eve, so it's not getting any easier. Um, they are now three games under 500. They've lost four of five. Uh, the schedule this this month has been particularly difficult, um, even with who's been in and out. I mean, they had a West Coast trip uh, where they went one and four, which wasn't that surprising. Um, what, you know, they they have a couple of nice wins and they have a couple of close losses. Uh, you know, they got a close loss to the 76ers, a close loss to the. Um, uh, to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, warriors, they played them really well, but, um, you know, there's at the end of the day, they're still 16 and 19 and they still, you know, have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum putting up numbers, but not putting up great play. And so, you know, we're going to examine this trade that they made where they may have traded away a really good player in Desmond Bain in a minute, but stay with the Celtics. What are we talking about right now? Well, the irony of, of your comment about their month of December is they actually had managed it pretty well up until the past three days. Um, going into the game Monday in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, they were five and seven in 
December against the schedule where coming into the month, every team had a 500 or better record. And with playing a Minnesota team that had seven of its top eight players out due to COVID and then playing a Clipper team yesterday, Wednesday, that had several players out, mostly due to injury, but also a couple of guys due to COVID, including Paul George and Reggie Jackson, let alone Kawhi Leonard, who hasn't played all year. They had a real chance to get to seven and seven going into this Phoenix game. And if, if you could have told the Celtics coming into the month, hey, you guys are going to be seven and eight in December, they would have ran to the bank with that. And they're like, this is great. You know, get through this month. The schedule gets a lot easier. We could tread water and then take off. Instead, they have probably their worst loss of the season, just get completely destroyed in the second half against a decrepit Minnesota team. And then have, you know, like you said, what is just a historically fluky bad shooting game, but still go four for 42 for three at home and lose to the Clippers. Now you're sitting at five and nine for the month of December, going into playing the Suns in the last game of the month, game you're probably not going to win. And now you're looking at being five and 10. And those two games, you know, really make their whole month look a lot different. And in general here, when you look at their team, they've sort of been exactly what I thought they were going to be coming into the season in that they had a team that had a chance to be a really good defensive team. And Boston currently sits ninth in the league in defense. And to me, the thing that was going to determine whether they're going to be a good team or a mediocre team was whether their offense was going to be pretty good to good or pretty mediocre to pretty bad. And they sit 22nd in the league in offense. And if you're ninth in the league in defense and you're 22nd in the league in offense, that averages out to about 15th. And that means you're about a 500 team. And over the past year and a half of our season and a half NBA basketball, the Celtics are, you know, they were 500 last year. They're three games under 500 right now. They are a 500 basketball team. And to your point, if you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two of the, you know, better young wing players in the league, and you're sitting at 500 or a little under 500 over a, I guess that's what, 100-game sample size now, doesn't say a lot for um, the situation your team is in, and it opens up some pretty big questions about what this well, team has to try to do. Well, also like to, to point improve. out, they have a top five payroll, I believe, as well. So, yeah. yeah you know, I don't know if it's quite that high, but they're in the luxury taxes here, and they're three games under 500. Okay, right. So, um, you know, if your ownership, you know, you know, the Celtics, they will spend money, but they're judicious about it. They're, they're very careful. Um, okay. They're seventh. I apologize. They're seventh, uh, in, in the overall salary, 145 million in the tax, yep. um, uh, behind Utah though, uh, enjoy Ryan Smith, your new billionaire owner jazz. Yeah. No, um, no wonder Danny Ainge jumped ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're spending a luxury tax for a team that's right now essentially tied for 10th with Toronto as we do this, uh, you know, basically yeah, tied, tied with Toronto and Atlanta for 10th. Right. You, they lose to the Suns, which maybe, you know, it's the NBA right now. It's hard to know, you know, uh, Devin Booker is hot right now. He's, he's back from his, uh, from his issues and he's, he's ripping people up. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe they maybe they surprise people win that game. But if you lose that game, you're going into the new year potentially in twelfth um, with, with as a luxury tax team. It's it's um, not it's good. Not it's not good. And so, Bontemps, you've you've said this. You you believe that they should be banging on. You know, this has been rumored. It's not like this is the first time this is being said. 
Lots of people are rooming it. Lots of people have been on Photoshop uh, slapping Ben Simmons in next to, to uh, Jason Tatum in a Celtics jersey. But you believe that they should be banging on the, the Sixers door trying to figure out a way to make a deal. Well, look, it's, it's like I said before, they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And to me, you know, they're, they're, some people would argue, you know, hey, they need to trade one of these guys. They don't fit together, et cetera. I, I think that is nonsense. If you, if you look at the numbers for the Celtics, when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are on the court together, they are, I think, plus seven or eight per 100 possessions better than their opponents. Like those two guys are really good players. And they're the, the most desirable commodity in the league, which is a um, two-way wing player. I mean, for the season, for, after a couple losses, they're still four points per 100 better when those two guys are playing together. Like, the Celtics' problems are not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It is the roster fit around them. And in particular, it's the fact that they have a lot of guys on their team who like to pound the ball into the ground and either shoot or drive and then maybe pass later. And there are five perimeter guys who play the two stars and then Josh Richardson, Marcus Martin, Dennis Schroeder. Those guys are all like that. And so their offense generally gets bogged down and it leads to them taking a lot of hard isolation shots, which is a big reason why they don't score very well. And so to me, I'd be calling Daryl Morey every day and saying, I'm not trading you Jason Tatum. I'm not trading you Jalen Brown. Tell me what you want. You want, Four first round picks. Do you want the rights to seven first round picks? You no, want because, no, no, and I'm like, Daryl no, Morey. Well, no, I'm trying to win right now. Joel Embiid. Well, listen, and so that, yes, I'm I want Jalen Brown. If you're not talking about Jalen Brown, we're not having a conversation. I, well, and that's fair. And it might not be, they might not be able to get a deal done. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying that they have the ammo necessarily to do it, but I'd be, I'd be on anytime Philly's trying to do a deal with somebody. I'd be trying to get involved and find any way I could to get Ben Simmons on the Celtics because well, any, way he, could is, could, any way you could is making Jalen Brown available. That's well, the, that's no, the well, unless, no. unless you can work some kind of three team deal. Well, that, I'm just saying I, I here's, here's my point. The Celtics should not be trading either of those two guys. Okay. So what they need to do is try to get creative to try to find a way to get another guy with them because the group they have around them just isn't very good, frankly. And, well, and the things that they the struggle and well, the things that they struggle at, uh, you know, they don't push the pace. They play very slow. They don't move the ball. Um, you know, they need guys around those two guys that don't need the ball. And when they do get it, they either shoot it or kick it to somebody else. And like you look at what the what the Chicago Bulls did this offseason, getting guys like Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball, two guys that either hit a spot up shot or catch it and move it and play great defense around Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, two guys who hold the ball and do what they're going to do and then kick the ball to other people. That's the kind of formula that I think the Celtics need to try to emulate. Well, if they need spot-up shooters, Ben Simmons would be a great fit. Well, if you have Ben Simmons playing with those two guys and Al Horford, like I, I just think that Ben Simmons in Boston, I think it's a single best fit for him stylistically in the league if he could get there. Now, again, I don't think they can. They, they don't have a lot of ammunition otherwise, right? That's why I'm saying like, this would be like the James Harden trade with that. The Nets made like, we'll give you except, every except for there's have. no way Philly's going into rebuild mode with Joel Embiid. Well, no, that's well, that's what I mean. Like it, 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 like you said, it might end up like the only way it could probably realistically happen is if it's like a third team involved and it's like that team gets whatever 
10 right. picks. Well, we're going to talk right now. We're going to talk right now about Desmond Bain. When, probably, Wendy, I feel, I feel like Bontemps has been the Jalen Brown of this pod. He's taking a lot of shots, not, <laughs> not making very many points, and he ain't passing no, the ball. I Golly. think he's speaking like somebody who's around the Celtics a lot. You know, he the big point to me, the biggest point about the Celtics is that they're in a really difficult spot. And the only way I think they could get out of it is if they make some really creative, big decisions. And I, I think like if they, they trade Jalen Brown, their, they already got their gift trade of the last uh, decade. They already got <laughs> yes, it. I, I covered the other side of that at the time. Uh, if they if they try to trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum to me, that's just going to end up them spinning their wheels in the same spot. Like the only way they have a chance to go up is if they find some creative ways to build this up roster up around him, which is going to be really hard to do with the assets they have, which just there aren't a lot of them. Well, Trader Danny is gone. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So you're also talking about, you know, some of the front office is still there, but you're talking about a new executive, a new lead executive in Brad Stevens that you're asking to make a very nuanced move. Yep. And the temperature here is only going to go up whenever the football season ends. If this team continues to be floundering, the temperature is going to go way up. And especially with no Red Sox being playing likely in the spring because of the lockout in baseball, like all the attention is going to be on the Celtics and it's going to be interesting. Ainge made the Garnett trade. Ainge made the Ray Allen trade. Ainge made the the Pierce Garnett trade that set them up. You know, his track record. He did Kyrie trade. He made the Kyrie trade, which ended up not working out, but it was still a hell of a trade. His, you know, the Isaiah Thomas trade. D- Trader yep. Danny, he had a great record for being able to, to, to step in and make moves like are required right now. We'll see. See what um, Bryce Stevens can do. One thing that one guy they don't have to trade McMahon is Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is having an absolutely brilliant second season for the Grizzlies. And we set up why the Celtics don't have Desmond Bain. Yes. Okay. Of course. Well, before, so this is McMahon's uh, turf. He knows the, the Grizzlies well. Let me just take you back. And I don't like um, saying that the, that the Celtics should have had Bain because just because there's 29 teams that should have had him because he should have, yeah. well, at least 20. Five, I would say so there were virtually the entire NBA should have had them. Yes. Okay. Well, hold on. So in the 2020 draft, the Celtics had three first round picks and a second round pick. 
Um, they had, uh, they actually had the Grizzlies pick that pick that for years looked like it was going to be very valuable and ended up being the mm-hmm. 14th pick. They took Aaron Neesmith, uh, with the 14th pick. So they took a wing and a lot of people thought Neesmith, who I think shot over 50%, uh, his last year at Vanderbilt. A lot of people thought he was the best shooter in the draft. Well, the Celtics needed shooting. They in the lottery took a guy who was arguably regarded as one of the best shooters in the draft, or maybe the best shooter. Then they had the 26th pick, which was their pick. Um, and they, um, uh, they drafted Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon, a four-year player uh, who is now starting for them <laughs> due to their circumstances. Yep. And has had some moments, but he's been um, fine. You know, Pac-12 player of the year, again, a perimeter player, uh, more of a volume score, but you know, could hit the outside shot, shot creator. In the 30th pick, and Danny Ainge said going into that draft, we are not having four rookies on this team. Um, and that makes sense. I think very few teams would want four rookies unless you're the Houston Rockets uh, in their rotation or whatever. And so they traded the pick. Now, the way they traded the pick was interesting. It was basically a salary dump. They traded. It wasn't, it wasn't basically a salary dump. It was a salary <laughs> dump. They, 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 they dumped Ennis Canner Freedom. I don't know. I don't know what, what's the proper thing. Do you, do you call him Annis freedom or he was Canner when they traded him? I don't know. I call him can't play. <laughs> they, they, who they have back now, but they, they, they offloaded the, the $5 million that they would have paid him in the deal. Uh, Canner ended up in uh, Portland and um, to get out of the they, tax last they, year. to get out of the, to get out of the salary tax, the luxury tax. And they also didn't have to pay the 2 million bucks. They would have paid the, 30th pick. So it was something in the neighborhood of a $7 million move plus taking him out of the tax, which saved him a whole bunch more money. That was their move. They got two future second round picks for, for that, but they also moved out of the tax. And like, look, they had just drafted Neesmith and Pritchard two perimeter players and address their shooting issues. I don't think that they, I think they, I, I think they were going to trade the, 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 the 30th pick belonged to the bucks. I don't even remember how they got it. Um, they got it. They got it in a, a they got in a trade with Aaron Baines the year before from Phoenix. Ooh. Another move that was a, a money saving move. Yeah, yeah. Not, also not a good move because Baines had a great year in Phoenix. Um, all right. So that happened, and McMahon Bain went to Memphis. Memphis drafted has drafted extremely well, and in the 2020 draft, they may have had a transformational draft in this era because they took John Morant second. Um, or no, they, that was their pick. John Morant second. What was the 14th pick? I'm, I'm now, I'm now I'm confused. I'm confusing myself. I uh, know that was the year before they took John Morant. They took John Morant in 20. Yeah. They got John Morant and Brandon Clark the year before my fault. Okay. So anyway, they draft Bane. They, they trade up for the 30th pick and get Bane and uh, as a three and D guy, but McMahon, he looks like he's, more was, than a 3D. And so last year, Bain was like a nice, ready to play 3 and D guy. And it was like, wow, that's a really good value pick at number 30. This year, it's like, wow, Desmond Bain is one of the best young wings in the league. Like this guy, uh, you know, John Moran is on a on a Twitter campaign for Desmond Bain to be most improved player. Uh, and he's got a case. This guy, if you look, and I had, I don't know if you guys follow Andrew uh, Bailey on Twitter. He, he's a uh, he's a nerdy numbers guy, and he does these things where he does these blind player comps. And I suggested this one to him. It was Desmond Bain this season, and age twenty three Clay Thompson. Well, 
Thompson, the in the little poll, Thompson won it because of net rating swing, but it, all the other numbers, points per game, uh, you know, uh, rebounds, assists, threes made, sh- you know, shooting efficiency. Desmond Bain is comparable or better than age 23 Clay Thompson. And I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be as great as Clay was, but what I'm telling you is like stop looking at Desmond Bain as wow, really good value late in the first round and and start considering, dude, the Grizzlies are a solid fourth in the Western Conference and Desmond Bain is going to be part of that foundation for a long, long time alongside, of course, John Morant, who, you know, in particular, these last two games has reminded us <laughs> what a young superstar he is where he goes for, what, 30-whatever and makes a ridiculous shot beating Chris Paul and – Macau Bridges might have been uh, an game winner. It might have been a walk, whatever the ball went in. <laughs> right. It was a great shot, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it shows the, the combination of Cajones athleticism and, and yeah. finesse and skill that he has that uh, is so rare. Uh, that game, by the way, both, both John Moran and Bain had 30 plus points. The first time a backcourt that young has both had 30 plus in a game since Iverson and Stackhouse. Unlike Iverson and Stackhouse, I don't think you're going to see Bain uh, decide that he didn't want to play with that dude. Um, there are a lot of Iverson comparisons to Morant, except Morant is a pure point guard and a, a, a gifted passer and playmaker. Um, and then last night, honestly, it was an off night for Bain. Uh, three of ten. Now, three of ten would have looked awfully good in the Celtics on him. Three of ten, three <laughs> of ten from three. But uh, they still combined for 61 in a, in a win over the Lakers. Morant. In a game where LeBron was, you know, pretty much at peak LeBron level. I mean, LeBron one of the greatest three point shooting nights of his career. Yeah. And and then Ja also did. (laughs) And uh, Ja goes for for 41 in that game. And, you know, the the Grizzlies go on this comeback. They come, Bain and and Morant combined for 61. And you guys, uh, you know, you, you think I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but when we discuss the best backcourts in the league, not, not the best young backcourts. When we discuss the best backcourts in the league, your little Grizzlies combo has barged their way into that conversation. I, I, I well, declared hold on. on. I was going to say, I was going to say, you didn't explain why you might be hyperbolic. Now explain. Okay. I declared on our group chat that they are a top five backcourt. Okay. So here now, we get to the fun part of the pod. And listen, now, John Morant declared last year he's a top five point guard. Now, listen, I love to take, first of all, I love John Morant. Desmond Bain is great. You go, we go back to the Celtics for one second. You want to know why the Celtics don't have a lot of assets? They drafted at the 14th pick two years in a row, Romeo Lankford and Aaron Neesmith. Desmond Bain is about 10 times better at minimum than both those guys. You put him on the Celtics, things would immediately look a lot different. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's a great, it's a great fun take. Now, I went through the league last okay. night at halftime of this atrocious game that I was at, and I have 16 backcourt combinations so we're going to go through you and rank 16 well i went through i i didn't pick some that were not going to be in the conversation but i went through and picked i i got 16 of them we're wow, going to go through I, and I see where they to, rank i whittled it down to seven but go on well i just went through a bunch of them some of them i think you'll they'll be ahead of clearly but okay so so all right so let's just go through and see where they rank so desmond bain and john morant or Kyrie and james harden Kyrie and James Harden. That's one okay. of the what about above. what about Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine? 
That's one that uh, is certainly one of my seven. And, you know, we can get into uh, it's debatable. Certainly Lonzo and and it's interesting. I actually looked at uh, I got super nerdy with this and, and looked at net rating. And the Levine ball combo, I was surprised, is, is just, you know, they're they're plus, but it's not by much. Um, but look, ball is one of the great complimentary players uh, in the league among guards right now, and Levine's a star. So I'll, I will grant that that one is debatable. And these are all for this season. Well, obviously, their, their upside going forward is very high. Uh, Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero. I know where Brian's going to go with this one. I'm pretty confident. Well, I mean, Lowry and Morant are different ends of their career. I mean, you know, I would probably... I know, but it's a question about this year, though. We're t- it's Tim saying top five right now. I was saying that because your boy Tyler Hero is in the combination. So I, they are going to be the number one backcourt in the league, I'm sure. Well, you know, Hero comes off the bench. Yeah, I, mean, I, did, I didn't, I didn't count with... them. Because I mean, you could, not... use Duncan, you could use Duncan Robinson if you want. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Yeah, Just keep going. I'm, not one, I'm listening. I'm, I'm a All spectator right. here. Uh, even though he's not playing, Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. Mm, no, that's not a common. Plus, they're never going to play together again. So also that's not true. a conversation. LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier. Uh, again, I considered that. Um, I would rather have Bain than Rozier at this point, and I think I would rather have Morant than Lamelo. But I'm not 100 percent sold on that. I, I'm with you on that one's close. Uh, Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie. No. Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, no, because I. I the the thing not... about it is that Bain really defends, and he's probably only going to get does. better as a defender. And so that's well, one of the things you know. Some of the things that you're thinking about here, like. That, you know, compared to the Atlanta backcourt, Memphis is, you know, the, the defensive aspect of Bain, if he's going to continue to keep shooting this way, it's it's a factor. Yeah, I, sure. I like Bain better than Bogdanovich and, and Morant Young, I think, is is a, a conversation. I, I think, think Trey is right? better than Ja right now, so I would say that one's pretty close to again. Debatable. He, he, he has accomplished more, um, but, you know, also the one taste the playoffs. Ja got he put up thirty something per no, game. He was awesome. Jets, you know? And he knocked the and he knocked the Warriors out at home in the playing tournament. Yeah. All right. Speaking of the Warriors, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. Well, and 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 st- I put Steph Curry and whoever starts at two. Right. That's, yeah. That's they they were one of the ones that I that I'm not going to sit here and debate. Right. Like Steph Curry and whoever's at two. By the way, his uh, I didn't update this with their last uh their last game, but Poole didn't play. Steph with Poole for the season, net rating plus 14.6. Ouch. Steph with Gary Payton, the second, net rating plus 29.2. That's pretty good. And then, you know, you put Clayton. It's like, like I said, Steph and whoever. Like, that's yes, right. Steph gets the nod. Uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I think we'd agree, is ahead of that. I mean, yeah, that's obviously one of the top two or one backcourts in the league. Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. 
ahead of that, them? That's one of the ones I put also ahead of them, and and I'm not going to debate. So He's no, I'll, I'll fire these at you, McMahon. No, I, no, 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 I'll tell I'm you. Not... There's four. I'll, I'll just tell you the four I put above uh, above Bay and Jaw with with I can't argue. Mm-hmm. CP3 Booker, Harden, Kyrie, Steph, and whoever, Mitchell Conley, and then I I think I think there's a conversation about any other backcourt in the league. Yeah, and I, to be clear, I wasn't doing that to make fun of McMahon. I, I think what's more interesting is that you, I agree with you. I think those four for sure are better. And then after that, like, I think the Bulls backcourt is better, but you can sort, you can make some argument, I think, for Memphis today. And some of the, like a lot of these other ones, it's a toss up. Like, the, you know, the Atlanta well, one's a toss up. The Charlotte one's maybe a toss up. I'd probably go with Memphis, like you said. Um, Miami's probably better, but again, Kyle's 35. Well, like, and next and, year is and probably that's not the cheating case. because that's not the starting backcourt. Uh, well, you, I mean, look, you could say Duncan Robinson too. The, my point though, my, I'm what I, in that exercise, cause going through it, I thought the same thing it was like a lot of these are, well, it's kind of a coin flip. And the thing is it's the coin flip when these guys are at the start of their career. Right. Right. That's, that's the thing that it only, it reinforces your point, which is that, Look, top five as of right now, probably a little bit of a stretch. But if you'd said coming into the season, they were a top 10 backcourt, people would probably be like, eh, I don't know about that. Like, doesn't Bain was okay last year. Now you look at it, pretty good argument that they're at minimum a top 10 backcourt. And they're, of all these pairings we're talking about, they're the youngest of all of them. They're both yeah, on and, the rookie deals. Right. And, and uh, you know, you didn't mention Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. I would say right, I was going to get to that one. I think that I would rather have the Memphis backcourt at this point. Well, and again, I, I think that backcourt has been one of the best in the league for years and the expiration date has come. And so that's why I, I would, I would take the Memphis group just because I, you know, I, I think that it's time for Portland to uh, figure out a path for the future that does not include continuing with that. Well, I just would rather have, I personally just rather have, doesn't Bain and CJ McCollum right now, personally. I mean, doesn't Bain's yeah, a two way player and CJ McCollum is not. Right. And, and Bain, like the fact that, and, and you know, the people say, oh, the Grizzlies went 10 and 2 without Moran. Or they, and of course they're not better without him. That's the stupidest th- thing you could possibly say. But I think that does tell you, uh, obviously, there's some, some other talent in Memphis. And one thing that happened during that stretch is Desmond Bain, who, you know, again, very good as a 3 and D guy last year. They put the ball in his hands a lot. He was he was initiating. You know he's he's creating. He's he's running pick and rolls. I uh, you know he his off the dribble game has exploded this year. Last year he almost all his shots, the vast majority of his shots were from uh, from three point range. And you know he is you know sometimes the this most improved conversation. It's really a matter of well his minutes are going up. But if you look at Bain and you look at just you know his shot diet. He is doing so much more off the dribble this year. Uh, you know whether it's the pull-up game, you know whether it's getting you know to the rim. Uh, you know he's he's really been effective uh, in transition. Uh, he he's become a, a pretty much a complete uh, two guard uh, like overnight. And again. I, Desmond Bain's not an all-star this year. He, he he's he's not ready to be in that conversation, but he's one of the better shooting guards in the league. And John Morant is an absolute. They, they asked him last night, uh, or no, they asked. Uh, I think it was Kyle Anderson, and then Morant was next, going to the podium. You know, it, 
about is Morant an all-star. And Anderson said to Morant, uh, hey, they asked me if you're an all-star. And Morant said, are you bleeping me? <laughs> he's well, absolutely an all-star. He's, he's got to yeah. be an all-star. Yes. I think that's safe to say. One of the reasons why <clears throat> Bain <clears throat> went 30th is because he was a four-year player at TCU. Yeah. He happened to be one of the greatest players in TCU history, and he shot the heck out of the ball the whole time. Um, <clears throat> but some teams don't draft guys who are 22 for the reason is because that they don't have much room to improve that the player that you're going to get typically you see guys, teams who take four year players typically are looking for, you know, help from the player immediately. And so not only is his improvement notable and in the conversation for most improved, although there's this debate about making second year players. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not going to be voted for Desmond Bain because I don't vote for second year players, but because you're supposed to improve in your second year, but he has been awesome. But he's but this this sort of level of growth as a 23 year old, not only is he young, but he's showing capacity to improve, which is one of the reasons why, again, people don't draft four year players. But um, there was a number of four year guys taken in like the top 35 picks um, this this past year. So, you know, it's not it's not like they never do, but it's a, well, and, it's a thing. And, and the four year thing was definitely uh, a mark against Bain and then his wingspan, which I believe he actually has a a negative wingspan. I think his, his wingspan is an inch shorter than his height, which is, is rare. Um, and, and not great. <laughs> that, that was the other big mark against him, but you know, he just, he gets buckets and stops and that's a really good combination. And, you know, again, last year, uh, he took 7.3 shots per game. Four of those were threes this year. He's taken 14 shots a game, 6.8 or threes. Um, just his ability to, to create for himself or create within the, the flow of the Grizzlies offense has just taken a drastic leap forward. And, and, the, and the efficiency, the efficiency is the same. This guy is averaging over 17 points a game at 47, 42, 94 shooting splits. It's just awesome. I mean, it's just, it's such a huge, it's such a huge thing. And look like that, you draft a guy who's that kind of player at 30, it's just it's such a it's such a game changing thing, regardless of how you get the pick. Like you get a you find a guy. It's like the you know, I'm not saying he's this level player, but it's like the Warriors finding Draymond Green at 35, like or Rudy Gobert going to the jazz at 27. Like mm-hmm. you find a guy who's a high level starter late in the first round or in the second round. That's just such found money. It's just a massive, massive boost to your team. And look, they had look the Grizzlies draft Jaw second. They draft Jaron Jackson fourth, right? They haven't had another pick in that range again. And you'd think, all right, they probably have to have one more year where they struggle to really get that kind of third tent pole anchor guy. There's a chance they got that guy in a salary dump trade at 30, which would be just a huge thing for them, especially so, uh, in a their small payroll, market. Their payroll with their, you know, arguably their two best players. I have Jaron Jackson, who's... uh Still on a rookie deal, his 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 money will will kick in. Mm-hmm. Their three best players are all on rookie deals. Uh, his money will kick in next year, um, but they are 29th in payroll, 115 million. Their payroll is you know 30 million dollars less than the Celtics, and they're in fourth in the West. And and even with Jaron Jackson's money coming on, his salary increasing uh, almost 20 million dollars next year, his new contract. The Grizzlies are going to have salary cap space next summer, and and, uh, and because and you these can guys say, are are you so young and, and and cheap? 
you can say, well, what are they going to do? They're going to max out the next Chandler Parsons. But there's more to salary cap space than, than overpaying in free agency. You know, and, and they, have, they have been able to use salary cap space to do things like you know, trade for Iguodala and, and get a future uh, pick. Now, at, at one point, you thought, ooh, that Warriors pick could be really something. I, I think it's not going to be a, a lottery pick at this point. I think it's pretty safe to say. But uh, you know, th- that's a front office that, that understands the challenges of, of hey, operating in Memphis take the and how to pick. use cap space. Yeah, they will. They'll take the 30th pick. That's right. They, uh, they seem to be able to do, uh, do good things with it. But, hey, Dylan um, Brooks, a mid-second rounder. Yeah, I think at this point, Bain is clearly the Grizzlies' second best player. And then the question remains, like, hey, can Jaron Jackson Jr. develop the consistency instead of just the, the glimpses? And can he consistently be a guy you can uh, consider a franchise cornerstone on a, on a contender quality team? That, well, that your- to me, is... Go on. I was just going to say to your point. I was going to say to your point about the the front office in Memphis, so Zach Lyman and those guys. Like they draft Brandon Clark at twenty one. They draft Xavier Tillman at thirty five. They get Bain at thirty. They get Dylan Brooks in the second round. They get Kyle Anderson on a I think four year thirty million dollar deal as a restricted free agent that the Spurs didn't match. He's a really really good, uh, you know, swing forward like the kind of guy every team in the league is looking for. A guy who can handle the ball can guard multiple positions, really smart player. Like they've just done a terrific job. Listen, they've done so well across the board. They've had one, they've had one big swing and miss. And that was the justice Winslow trade where they took back a ton of money. And the the bet was on, you know, this guy who was a a mid lottery pick, had some injury history and there was a lot of upside. And it just, that, that one, it was, it was that climbing went to do one year. Well, it was new guys. And it was taken on one year of salary too, right? Like basically they traded having 25 million in salary cap space for another year of salary at that number because they thought Justice Winslow could be a piece for them, but they didn't give well, up remember, any picks. They didn't yeah, give up they, any other they took stuff. On, they took on Deion Waiters too. And then just yeah, they took on that. Waiters and well, then right, it they, was Gorgie Jing via that's right. whatever. But yeah, they, I um, mean, so that was an expensive whiff, but every front office is going to have, you know, nobody's going to shoot a thousand percent from the floor. And their right. field goal percentage is is awfully well, even, high. Even like oh, signing ridiculous. Tyus Jones to be their backup point guard, you know that tra- that deal happens. You're like, okay, cool. Tyus Jones is going to be a Grizzly. You move on. Well, when Harden or when uh, Morant went down, they had a quality backup. Yep. And having a quality backup point guard really matters right. at times. They, they trade the for D'Anthony Melton. He's a really nice player. They get him on a good extension. You know, they they've just they've done a really really good job and. They got all these young, interesting players. They've got depth. They've got calf space this summer. I mean, yeah. they've, they've got, got they got a really bright. They got picks coming. Yeah. I mean, they got a really, really bright future. And that, you know, and obviously the, the head of that is Ja, who's maybe my my most favorite player in the league to watch. I mean, it's just this they're a lot of fun summer, to watch. This summer for the Grizzlies is <clears throat> very interesting because <clears throat> in 23-24, they have to pay Morant. They would potentially have to pay um uh, Dylan Brooks, who's only got one year left on his contract, and they would have to pay uh, Brandon Clark, I think, um, is also a um, is a free mm-hmm. agent. So they have to, you know, 23-24, they're going to be in some, you know. And by the way, their owner, who when he came in the league, I've said this before, Robert Perra was regarded as sort of a guy who could barely hold on to his team, which is true. He barely was able to put the deal together. Um he has made an extreme, enormous fortune. Already a rich guy, he's become filthy rich in the last five to seven years. And so I'm not saying that he's 
going to just go willy nilly, but I don't look at them based on what I know and think that they're not going to spend, even though they're in a, a small market that has, that has been careful in the past. So yeah. Uh, future is brighter for business. All right. Um, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. McMahon, we hope you get out of the protocol soon. Contest, Man, travel safe, too. be healthy. And uh, I'm trying to feel avoid better, that. Uh, I'm trying to avoid that, uh, that BB myself. Uh, uh, I've, I've avoided the, uh, the beast so far. I'm, I don't know. I, uh, we got a whole bunch of, I spend like, I spend like 10 minutes a day texting all the people that I know that are dealing with it. So, um, and I hope we hope, uh, Bobby, Bobby Marks, I think is doing oh, really, I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten a text from you yet. Jeez, I don't man. think that's true. Check your, no, check I'm, your ju- I'm just playing. All right. Have, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the new year. We'll talk to you soon. Amigos, amigos.